Welcome to the Employee Onboarding Podcast, the only place to learn from the world's leading people operators on how to craft a magical onboarding experience. This podcast is brought to you by Process Street, the AI-powered platform that revolutionizes how HR teams design, manage, and automate their most vital processes, craft memorable employee experiences, cultivate company culture, and significantly reduce turnover with Process Street. Sign up for a free account at www.process.st. Join thousands of iconic people teams in companies like Salesforce, MIT, and Accenture that trust Process Street for all their people processes. Thanks for joining us today on Process Street's Employee Onboarding Podcast. Uh, My name is Josh Ashton. I'm our VP of People and Operations here at Process Street. And I'm joined today by Tim Sackett. Tim, welcome. Thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, we are super thrilled you can join us today and are fortunate that uh, you're with us. Um, you've got an amazing background, Tim. Uh, I was kind of geeking out on all the things that you're involved in. Um, but <laughs> let, me just, let me just fill in the audience uh, on a few highlights uh, and, and read a high level of your bio. Uh, so Tim is currently the president of hrutech.com a leading IT and engineering staffing firm, and has over 20 years of combined executive HR and talent acquisition experience. He is a highly sought-after speaker on leadership, HR, and talent acquisition technology, talent acquisition in general, and HR execution. Uh, Tim's also a senior faculty member with the Josh Burson Academy, uh, which is awesome. I actually met Josh uh, a handful of years ago at one of his conferences in Miami. Uh, Tim is the author of the best-selling Sherm published book called The Talent Fix, A Leader's Guide to Recruiting Great Talent, and writes every day at his blog, The Tim Sackett Project, as well as over at Fistful of Talent. Uh, Tim tells me he's married to a Hall of Fame wife, We'll have to get into why that is in a second. Has, <laughs> has three sons and a dog named Scout. Uh, he also is proud to have more Twitter followers than his three Gen Z sons combined. Uh, which By they, a lot. Which it's not they, even close. <laughs> <laughs> nice, which they love to point out. You can follow Tim at, at Tim Sackett. Uh, he's a lifelong workplace advocate for Diet Mountain Dew Fountain Machines. Uh, And he's considered the world's foremost expert on workplace hugs. There's just so much there. There's so much to unpack with that bio. So much much to unpack. I feel like we could do a blog on or a podcast on workplace hugging expertise. Uh, But today we're going to focus our conversation on employee onboarding, a subject that is near and dear to Process Street's heart. And I know to, to Tim's as well. All right. So I did notice that you went to uh, University of Wyoming. Yeah. I went to Colorado State University. So we Uh, are rivals. Yeah. Yeah. Rams and the Pokes. That's right. But uh, we won't get into that either today. (laughs) Um, But I was curious of your time in Laramie, Wyoming. uh, What's maybe a favorite memory you have there? 
Oh gosh. Um, I love my time in Laramie probably because I came from like, you know, like the Midwest and in Michigan and then, you know, made my way out to Wyoming. Um, the one thing I loved that I did, I mean, cause I never had experience with it was my ability to literally ride my mountain bike from campus and within an hour be in the front range and be on in mountains, like overlooking the city, right? Like that was just an amazing time. I played uh, volleyball at Wyoming. Um, that's how I met my wife, who's a Hall of Fame wife. She actually was in the Hall of Fame at Wyoming for volleyball. Um, wow. So when I say that, when I speak, I'm like, I have a Hall of Fame wife and all the women are like, oh my gosh, I wish my husband would say that. I'm like, well, she's really in a Hall of Fame <laughs> and she's an amazing wife, but you know, that's kind of how it goes. Um, and so we had, I had a bunch of like teammates from like, um, like Scandinavian countries like Norway and they would do like this, like Olympics in the winter, um, because they all could ski, even though they weren't there for skiing, they were there for like, you know, other stuff. Um, and so we would just have these, this fun time over like in snowy range and doing all these things. Um, so the ability, I think to get out in nature, um, in a campus like that, I think was amazing, which you had the same opportunity, right. In, in Fort Collins, cause that's another kind of amazing close right there in the, you know, the foothills of the Rockies. So that's right. Yeah, that's great. Good, good memories uh, there and uh, awesome landscape in both places for sure. Um, all right, well, let's dive into um, onboarding. Um, yeah. You know, you wrote uh, what I thought was a pretty great article in 2017. And at the time uh, you wrote it, you had stated that you had estimated hitting around 10,000 hours of doing employee onboarding. And if you agree with Malcolm Gladwell's theory on this, those 10,000 hours put you into a space to have achieved mastery. So no pressure, but no pressure. let's start off with just some basics um, yeah. on, on, on employee onboarding. What do you believe are the top three to five ingredients every great onboarding process should have? Um, I mean, I think when we take a look at that entire process, it has to be frictionless, right? It has to be, you know, we, we so often build an onboarding process the way that's comfortable for us, the way that we want to kind of consume that information as HR practitioners and not really thinking about the individual that has to go through it. And, and we see this constantly, you know, and I, I continue to see it with my own company. We, you know, we try to, you know, make changes as we see things happening. Um, you know, an hourly worker, that onboarding that takes place is completely different than a salaried worker. And yet most of us still have one onboarding process that's for everybody. Um, younger people versus older people, somebody who wants to do it, the entire thing on their phone versus somebody sitting at a desktop versus somebody who doesn't want to do it on the computer at all. Um, we still have some of those folks right out there. Um, that aren't comfortable with that. And so I think being frictionless in terms of letting them consume it in the medium that's best for them, right? That, that they're most comfortable with, that, that they're going to get it done, I think is, is truly important. Um, for me, onboarding was always really about, I, I, I can't stand day one onboarding where you show up and you're ready to work and then you go through the gauntlet of forms and process and they literally beat you to death in the first day. HR just like beats the life out of you um, with their onboarding process. And I have a great story. In fact, it's going to be the intro to my next book. <laughs> I was at a, like a, a really big health system. Um, your, your marketing person will actually know this health system because we kind of live in the same area. <laughs> um, and 
I, so I, so like getting hired as the, the head of TA, they're like, oh, hey, we have like that, that once every two week onboarding class. You know, you had to go through onboarding with a class of people. It's a full day. And actually, it was like, it was like two days. Um, in, a, in a health system, you have three shifts, right? So you have like, you know, it's open all the time. So they're like, oh, okay, well, onboarding for HR practitioner, which works really well from eight to five on a Monday. And so I'm in this class and I'm with people that, you know, have all like ilk, right? Hourly salary to executives from first shift to second shift to third shift. There's probably 50 of us people in there. And, you know, we start off and like do the team building, kind of get to know your icebreakers. And then the CEO comes in and talks for an hour straight at 8.30 in the morning in literally in the most dry, dry, deck. Like, I mean, what I had a hard time staying awake and I'm in HR, right? There was a guy that actually fell asleep. I get a text message from the CHRO. Hey, um, I, I just got a message from the CEO. He said somebody fell asleep during his talk and onboarding. I'm like, yeah, I saw it. Um, you need to fire that person right now. I'm like, what? And it, it was one of those times, and again, the guy that was CHRO was a, was a really nice guy, friends with him today. He's, he's a good guy, but he did the power move where he was like, is this a problem? Meaning, do I need to come down there and fire that person? Or I hired you as an executive, can you do this? And before that happened, because I, the reason that he had asked me if this is a problem, I had pulled that guy out in the hall and just said, hey, he fell asleep with the CEO. It's a bad look, man. Like, what's going on? So he was an electrician that we had hired. He had been working already for about a month with us. So he kind of missed the, like the onboarding. And this was the one he had to make working third shift, had sick kids at home. So before his shift, didn't get the normal sleep he did, had to come from his shift right to us. And literally when he usually goes to bed, we're asking them to listen to a CEO with a sunbeam on him through a window. Right. And he fell asleep. And so I'm like, I got you. All right, go back in. Like, let's finish this thing up. And that's when I told, and so I explained this right to the CHRO. And he's like, Hey, you got a problem? I do not have a problem. I will do this and I will feel awful. And I'm awful for doing it. You're awful for asking me. The CEO is even worse than an awful person for doing this. And yet we did it. Right. And, and so I think sometimes the design of what we think we're doing becomes one of those issues. So, right, kind of core issue is are we onboarding people? In, in the time that is is right for them um, versus the time that's right for us. So what, that's kind of another just core kind of foundational kind of piece from that standpoint. And then, um, and I like to really kind of get all of the, you know, the paperwork stuff, the, the I's dotted, T's crossed way before the person shows up. I want them to show up day one. And if there's onboarding or transition that has to happen, that should be with their team and their leader. And that should be the stuff about, you know, hey, how do we get in, you know, and get our hands dirty with the job that we're going to do. It shouldn't be, let's talk about our NDA, you know, <laughs> that shouldn't be the stuff that we do. Yeah, that's great. And appreciate that story too, the having uh, uh, some more empathy and, and putting ourselves in, in other people's shoes and, and, and customizing, personalizing as much as possible, uh, I think does really kind of make the difference. Hey Josh, you want so here, here's an, and this is a great example of really bad onboarding and what it does. That day, I decided this was the wrong job and company for me. 
And, and I already knew I was leaving. I knew that day. I knew within the first two hours of starting that job that I would be leaving that job because of bad onboarding. First impressions. It's time for a quick intermission to appreciate our sponsor, Process Street. Want to build beautiful, engaging, and efficient employee onboarding processes? Looking to streamline your HR processes into wonderful AI-powered workflows? Look no further than Process Street. Just like Cargill, Colliers, and Hartford Healthcare, you too can trust Process Street with your key people processes. Visit www.process.st today. Let's switch from sort of a potentially negative experience to one that you've felt or you've experienced that have been um, that have been better or great. Uh, and again, you mentioned yeah. in, a, in a previous uh, uh, article that you wrote around giving new hires their wow moments. And uh, the question is, what, what is, what have you seen as the most either innovative, creative, out of the box, or just interesting thing you've seen or experienced yourself companies do to create that type of moment? Or more importantly, maybe the entire onboarding experience is a wow moment. Yeah, I... So I worked with a company that does a lot of like short range video stuff. Um, and, it, and it was all, I mean, we see this where someone's like, oh, I'm going to send you a video. And it's just a canned video that the CEO put together. The lighting's perfect. The script is perfect. Like everything is perfect, right? Like, oh, let me talk to you about the vision and mission and blah, blah, blah. Um, this wasn't that. This was the CEO, leaders, people from their team actually sending like real videos, like pick up your iPhone, put it on your face and say, Hey, Tim's coming to work here. What give us, give him some advice right before he shows up, give him, you know, a, a key take on the project you're working on or something that you might be able to think about before he comes in and that we can help with stuff like that. It was very personalized and it was done in a cadence that it just didn't all come at once. It, it, you know, it was one that was, Hey, in the morning after you know, accepted, it was a message from the leader later in the day. It was another teammate. The next day it was somebody else. Like it just kept coming right before the person even started. Because if you think about the process of what we're trying to do with onboarding and pre-boarding is, is really trying to, we have to understand what's going on with that individual that accepts our job. They now have to go back to an employer, tell that employer. I mean, sometimes if they're not working, that's not the case. But a lot of people we offer are already working. They have to go tell people that they're close to, people that they like, people, bosses, you know, that they're going to leave. And that's hard. And, it's, and, and they, they're getting counteroffers. And, and so how are we using our onboarding to also be that magnet of saying, hey, I did make the right decision over and over and over again, you know? That validation. It's it's a it's a big change and it's a big decision for people to make and they're already uh, handling their own change management <laughs> going through this so whatever we can do to make that easier for them I think is spot on. Do you feel do you feel now that you've shared a little bit of the the good bad and ugly um, do you feel like uh, we're all headed in the right direction that that onboarding is getting better, that it's seen as more of a strategic uh, function or exercise. Um, do, you have, do you have hope for the, for the current or the future? <laughs> I always have hope because I'm such a fan of um, 
our function, um, the industry, the technology, everything in general. Like, so to me, I'm hopeful. I thought in 2019, we saw a lot of great examples of companies that were heading down the right path. Pandemic hit and we have this kind of new world of work where we have, you know, really, I mean, we had these before, but now we have it in a really big way where we have these kind of three cohorts of individuals. We have full remote, we have hybrid, we have full in office. And, and so I think, I mean, I feel like we're back to square one. I truly believe that no one has figured out great um, remote onboarding. I mean, and people will go, oh, well, we have it because we've been remote all the times, you know, for the last 20 years of our company. And I'm like, and then I take a look at what they do and they, it's just a modified onboarding of what you would do if you were in person. It's not truly a digital onboarding experience um, that I, I still think we're all trying to figure out. Like what is, if it should be something completely different for somebody who's digital and going to be digital um, and remote. And again, so I, I love... I mean, again, there's things that make me laugh about the whole metaverse concept and all that. But I also believe like potentially in the future for onboarding, like that kind of technology could be like that wow factor, right? That we talk about of, of saying, hey, wait a minute, what if I was remote and I'm doing onboarding with seven other people that came on the same week I did and we're, we have our Oculuses on and we're all sitting in the same area and we're, whatever, right? Like I, it is different, Um I you know, and people always are like, oh, it's still just virtual reality or whatever. And and a couple of years ago, I got to experiment with the first virtual reality sexual harassment training that it, and it blew me away, not because it was any better than any other sexual harassment training. When you have the goggles on, your level of focus is 100%. Like you don't imagine, like if I'm just sitting here and I'm watching a video or we're on a Zoom call and you're doing onboarding, um, you know, I, I got like right now I got my dogs running outside the window and I'm watching that and I got my phone buzzing and I got the, like you just, your attention is not 100%. When you have the, 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 Oculus, the Oculus on or the goggles or whatever virtual reality set in the headphones, you are immersed in that environment and you have just a, a really, really, you know, kind of a higher level ability to kind of do great onboarding that I think we, we aren't using, utilizing just yet. So I'm really fascinated by that technology. Hey, you've now given me my final validation. I needed to put uh, VR machines into my budget for this year. So thanks for that. Oh yeah. Start testing, right? Like yeah, I actually exactly. talked to, uh, cause like, you know, we all, we sure manual is coming up right this summer. Um, I think down in new Orleans. And so you're going to have, you know, 10, 15,000 HR people. And I've actually reached out to them in Facebook to see if we could actually put together kind of a, a you know, a roped off facility where we can have these HR people kind of test this stuff out and really show them what does this look like, whether it's for onboarding training, there's so many aspects that, you know, would help us in a digital world um, with remote workers that I think, you know, we really have to try to figure this out. I love what you said about it, it, it does bring a different dimension of focus and, and effort that uh, might just make the difference in, in making for a great experience. That's neat. Yeah. You have some uh, rich experience in the talent acquisition and hiring space. Um, how do you feel companies can bridge that gap between uh, recruiting and the offer stage and that hiring process? into someone's first day. I feel like there's a bridge there that people, uh, you know, have put in some effort to, as far as like pre-boarding goes, 
But with you having experience in both of these uh, functions, uh, are there any insight there that uh, companies can do better of, of building the connection? Yeah, I think one of the things that we know doesn't work is having a talent acquisition team pass on onboarding to the HR team and like have this like this break. Like, okay, we got them. They're on the line. And then they hand the fishing pole over to HR and say, okay, finish reeling them in. Um, I think employee, you know, candidates, employees, all these people would say, that didn't feel real great, right? It felt like I got, it felt like I, like I, I was dating somebody and I'm like, and the relationship was going amazing. And then the, the relationship asked me to marry them. And I'm like, and I said, yes. And then they were like, oh, by the way, it's not me you're going to marry. Here's another person. <laughs> and you're like, well, no, 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 wait a minute. That person's boring. <laughs> you know, I don't like them. Um, to me, that's what we do in onboarding. And so if any, and part of that is, is HR doesn't have the same passion around the candidate we do. To them, it's just another employee that we have to put into a process. And so part of that would be, hey, we need to change that perception and that personality and all of that going on. And so I'm wondering when we take a look at like software um, and we have customer success teams, right? Do we have employee success teams? Do we instead of call, instead of having like TA and HR, do we have TA employee success and then HR where we say, hey, how do we, how do we get this person ready for success? Onboarding should be preparing a person for success. I don't hire somebody thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait to fire this person. I hire somebody going, I can't wait for this person to be an amazing performer. And yet that's not our onboarding process for most of us. It's like we, we kind of you know, knock them off that tilt of saying, yes, I'm ready for success. I'm ready for success. And then you're like, did you meet Mark in HR? <laughs> and it's like slap across the face. <laughs> Welcome to reality. <laughs> Have fun with the rest of your life. <laughs> um, and so I do think like somehow we got to figure out that side of it. Um, and, and partially I tell people the same thing. Like I get a lot of grief for telling people that TA should own retention. It shouldn't be HR because I have a feeling that HR doesn't really care. Um, and I say that tongue in cheek because I know they care, but that it's too easy for an HR person to say, you know what? You're right. Fire Tim not understanding who gets the work once Tim is fired. It goes right back to talent acquisition. If you went to the recruiter who recruited Tim and took, it took three months, you know, and all these interviews and assessments and blah, 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 and said, Hey, we're going to fire Tim. The first thing that recruiter would say is let me have a talk with him first. <laughs> let me figure out what's really going on. Right. Um, and let's dig into this because when we hired Tim, we thought he was going to be amazing. And somehow he turned into a piece of garbage. Um, there's, there, there's, there's something else, right? There's some other denominators here that we haven't figured out. And I think HR doesn't really, you know, um, again, broad strokes. I think there's great HR pros out there. Um, but I think for the most part, HR doesn't have the same, you know, ability um, to really recognize what's going on because they don't get the work of that, that, you know, that termination. The idea of uh, the employee, ex an, an employee experience uh, type of or, role or person or function, just to really yeah. start writing all of that together. I've also yeah, like, like we, because we know like customer success stuff is super important, right? Like, I mean, all of us that are in this kind of tech field, um, we take a look at those teams and how important they are to adoption, how important they are for somebody using your product. And I'm like, can we bring that same concept to employees and onboarding? Would be to me would be you know the thing I haven't seen out there. Yeah, that's great. Um, maybe a couple other questions, Tim, and, and uh, the uh, insights have been great so far. 
Um, you also have some expertise and, and seems like a passion in the HR tech space. Now we've talked about virtual reality and, and some other areas like that, but um, how are you feeling about the state of uh, HR tech, the investment that's going into it, and how that might improve our onboarding processes? I'm a, I'm a complete nerd. Um, I mean, I'm the guy that I literally will demo over 100 products, and I have been doing that for the last probably seven years. So I, I take a look at everything that I can. And even then, that's still people go, oh my gosh, you, you know everything there is about HR tech. And I'm like, I can do 100 products a year, and I'm still, I, I'm not even seeing 10% of the marketplace, right? There's 20,000 HR technologies worldwide. So I'm seeing a fraction, but I am like going back to like Gladwell's 10,000 hours. I'm definitely seeing more than everybody else. Um, and so when I see the roadmaps, when I see what's being built out there, there's just amazing stuff. You have amazing, you know, you have practitioners who are getting involved in building stuff. You have technologists that don't have any idea what HR is, what onboarding is, but they just know I had this bad experience and there has to be a better way and they're figuring it out. And so when you start bringing all of these kinds of concepts together, you know, we, there's just amazing technology out there um, that people could be using. And so when I hear people like just complain about like, oh, I'm sick of this, whatever I have. And I'm just like, there, there's, there's opportunities and options, right? You don't, you don't have to stick with what you have, or you can, you, you can go out there and buy 10,000 different add-ons to make your world better and make your employees world better. That's great. Um, I also geek out in the HR tech space and, um, and part of the reason, uh, what we're, our, our mission at process street is to, uh, try to influence this for the better as well. And, and, uh, and help, uh, everyone's experience, uh, from all parties involved, uh, have a better, have a better time doing it. So that's yeah. great. Um, last question, um, for our, our listeners, um, if they were to take, uh, if you wanted them to take one or two pieces of advice that are practical, tangible, et cetera, uh, with them after this uh, interview, what would that be? You know, I really, I, I think, and we say we do this, um, but it's always through the filter of, what's this going to cause me to do from a work standpoint? But I think we really have to take a look at every process we, we, that we force our employees to kind of go through, through the eyes of the employee um, and, and trying to say, Hey, if, if I was an employee and not in HR, how would I do this better? How would I, what would I would rather do? And, and somehow, and you know, the things I've seen where the best teams that put this stuff together is they find a facilitator that's not in HR they get employees who are not in HR and then they'll go and ask this, Hey, when you got hired, when you got onboarded, talk to us, like what would be better for you? And then somebody else gathers this information and kind of tells them because too often when we do that ourselves as TA leaders, HR leaders, um, we continue to filter all of that and then go, yeah, but right. Yeah. But this, this, this is the only way we can do this because of our tech stack, or this is the only way we can do this without it causing me and my team a lot more work. I, I get all of that. But if we just wiped all of that away and said, is there a better way? You know, can we find that? So I think understanding what we're doing to employees through the lens of the employee and not the lens of how does this, how does this impact us? Because we have too many talent acquisition and HR professionals out there that are like, 
this is how we do this because it's what's best for me, not what's best for them um, from that standpoint. And then this is another one from a tech standpoint, which I say, become a super user of your technology. I I run into um, TA leaders, HR leaders constantly that will come to me, um, especially because of the book and say, hey, what system do you recommend we should use? Like, what should we, you know, what can we do? And then I'll ask them, well, what do you have now? And they'll usually tell me a system that's actually really, you know, decent. That's good. And I'm like, well, why do you want to leave that system A? And they're like, oh, well, my team's not using system A. You know, they're only using 25% of its capabilities. So we want to go to system B, which by by the way is 95% the same as system A. (laughs) And I'm like, well, first explain to me how your team is going to use system B differently than they're using system A. And they, they can't because... They, that it kind of hits them then, right? That reality of, oh, we have an adoption issue, right? We've let our people only use 25%. So I said, first, figure out a way to get to 100% adoption. Figure out a way to you be, become super users of the tech you have, and then come back and ask me and tell me, here's what, you know what, now I know what we don't have or what we need. Too often, we're just jumping from system to system without being super users, and then we get into the new system and we're like, we have exactly the same issues. Shiny objects and, and uh, the, the HR tech space is busy at times as well. So I think you're spot on with really uh, becoming experts on those systems itself um, and understanding it. Well, listen, I could certainly talk about <laughs> this all day. I, I am a self-proclaimed geek like you. <laughs> Uh, I know you do talk about it in uh, a variety of mediums and fashions. What's the best way people can connect with you and follow you? Um, so obviously timsackett.com. Um, I, I have the podcast HR famous, which again is a little bit tongue in cheek because nobody is famous in HR. That's why we called it HR famous. Um, and then you can Google Tim Sackett. It's me. And there's a truck driver chaplain in Minneapolis that has the same name, but I stole all of his SEO. I'm sure he hates me. If I ever met him, he'd be like, dude, I was the truck driver chaplain, Tim Sackett. And I'm like, now it's just this HR guy out there on the internet stealing all of my SEO. So. That's hilarious. Tim, thanks again for all of your time and uh, great insights. Really enjoyed the conversation uh, and hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Employee Onboarding Podcast brought to you by Process Street. If this discussion ignited a spark to revolutionize your HR processes, why not give Process Street a shot? It's a no-code platform trusted by thousands of teams around the world, large and small, including powerhouses like Salesforce. Visit www.process.st to sign up for a free trial and embark on a journey to efficient, powerful workflows.